Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are wrapping up a shortened trading week. It just seems like Monday's holiday was weeks ago. But having said that, it's been a quite the interesting four-day trade as we saw the soybeans ebb and flow and negativity happening in the wheat market once again. Though corn today was able to kind of keep themselves to the upside. On the flip side of all of this, live cattle and feeder cattle have had their negative struggles. But the hogs, I think, in many retrospects, has been a surprise trade with their continued push to the positive numbers. Well, we are going to look at what's been happening in the trade today and this whole week with Sue Martin. She is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. And, and no better person to have talk about these soybeans, Sue, than you. And it's it's been an interesting week for them, especially when you look at the Thursday trade into today. Well, it absolutely is. We've had a, um, a huge week, a big outside range week. And um, I think that... Uh, you know, beans are kind of tied back to inflation, but also the weather in South America, the concern for the early crop of beans being harvested, uh, getting defoliants uh, to be able to push that harvest through is uh, not easy. But um, the early harvest of beans was the ones that dealt with heat. But the biggest concern is that as heat would continue or come back, it's the crop that is still planted that will suffer greatly and so i think that uh we've had a little bit of infusion of weather in this market but one thing that came out yesterday and you don't hear a lot of people talking about it but i do think it played a part in the rally on beans we had um chinese trade data uh detailing um you know, the exports for not only December, but for um, exports, imports in their case, uh, for December and for last year. And it really was showing some information that was, we have questioned all along. You know, all you kept hearing was they're buying beans from Brazil. They're not taking as many beans from the U.S. You know, that story, almost like fake news. And... I go back to 2019, and in March of 2019, we picked up on uh, Costco International Grain, which is a state-owned enterprise for China. They have an office in Chicago, and they keep in mind, at the time, you had negotiations going on for Phase 1 agreement under the Trump administration. But you also had China ban the imports of U.S. beans. Well... Costco International Grain that year was taking over 90%. And they probably were doing it before we caught on, but they were taking over 90%, if not 95% of the beans in deliveries. And that way, they didn't show up in the export information because why? Well, they bought it on the board. They owned those beans and they took the delivery. It's theirs. And they put them on their boats and take them over to China. Well, then all this talk this past year about how they just aren't buying as many beans from the U.S. And, you know, uh, Brazil's record crop, you know, that they're being so much more competitive and what have you, went on and on. The thing I had a hard time believing is, okay, you had a big crop, maybe not as big as last year, but in 2019, weather was good. The weather in 2020 and 2021 was horrific, horrific. And 
I found it very hard to believe that Costco International Grain wasn't getting U.S. soybeans. Well, yesterday, and they didn't mention the source of where they came in from, but uh, Chinese trade data showed that the 8.9 million metric tons of soybeans that were imported during December showed that 6.1 million metric tons of those beans came from the U.S., and the remaining 2.1 million metric tons uh, came, of course, from Brazil. Now, the 6.1 million metric tons that came from the U.S. in December was actually greater than the 5.8 million metric tons that we sold to them back in uh, or exported to them back in 2020, uh, December of 2020. But the real kicker was when they showed for all of last year, the calendar year of 2021, Chinese data showed total soybean imports from the U.S. totaled 32.3 million metric tons compared to 25.9 million metric tons taken in the year of 2020. And that was the highest since 2017 when China imported 32.9 million metric tons of beans from the U.S. So, you know, I go back and I digress. You know, you can't believe much of what you hear. I'm starting to wonder, you know, granted the USDA had to know this was going on, but China is getting beans. And, you know, the fact that um, uh, they took more beans from the U.S., um, than the year before was phenomenal. And um, also there was another little kicker about that, that of the beans that um, they bought from Brazil, I think it was like, don't hold me to this, but I want to say the number is 58.2 million metric tons. Those beans that they took, that number last year was actually less than what they took in the year of 2020. That's interesting. And I know that they have been, I think a lot of folks have been frustrated because we've had such constant contact uh, with soybean, or excuse me, with China in regards to beans and other purchases that this last couple of weeks where it's been on the quieter side, I think it's made some folks a little nervous. Well, it has. Um, we had some cycle window timing uh, due for last Friday and Tuesday. And because of Martin Luther King holiday, it shoved that Tuesday timing right in like as though it was windowing around a weekend. And sure enough, we came in, stuck our lows on uh, beans. We had it on wheat as well and stuck our low in on beans on Tuesday, stuck the low in on wheat, but reversed on Tuesday. Beans waited till the night and then turned around and came out of here. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue the second half. Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Borough Radio Network. Talk to any of your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealers, and they're going to tell you performance is one of the keys to their success. Here's Chris Ross, a dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm, uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. It makes you feel really good about the product. For more, just go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing the conversation with Sue Martin, who is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. Wanted to talk, we talked about soybeans in the front half, but there has been a little bit of talk about uh, corn production movement, especially coming out of South America, with the concerns they have crop-wise. Having said that, how does this set the mode for us when we've got input costs and other issues as well, including dryness in so many areas, before our planting season gets underway? 
Well, I think it's very much a concern, and we'll be pricing that in. Um, I think that um, when we look at South America right now, um, you know, first off, we have to share that it's the bean crop that's more vulnerable under the weather at the present time. But, and that's only because in Brazil, the first crop accounts for only 30% of the country's production. And the safrina crop, which is the second crop, will account for 70%. And that is the crop last year that was late planted and pollinated in some of the hottest weather for the summer. And, of course, yields dropped, you know, sharply. But this year, so far, it's the bean crop that's suffering. But the corn, you know, what damage is done to Argentine corn that's planted and and other corn in Brazil, it's done. You can't change. Uh, on Unlike on beans, you give them some rain, they'll maybe perk up a little bit. Corn doesn't do that. So corn has got an issue. But the one thing we look around the world, and you and I'm hearing some rumors out of uh, out of Brazil that it's possible that the corn crop could be down as much as 20 million metric tons this year. And so we'll see. It's an evolving situation, a market fundamental. But the other thing is, you look at the price of corn. China, who's got their hog production up, I want to say 29 percent, something like that. Uh, from a year ago, and certainly that's more mouths to feed. But the kicker is, I, I go back to the bad weather China had for the last two years. Corn hovered around 1065, little under, and all of a sudden, boom, it went to $11, and it hit $11 today for every contract into 2023. Why? You have to ask why. Because if their abundant yields and production was so good, as they say it was, then why is the price of corn holding so strong? I kind of don't trust that. I think their crop was in trouble. If they did produce, they have poor quality. And then you look at Europe, European corn values are around $9 a bushel. And then you look in Brazil, and they're running at $8 a bushel. We are too cheap in the States here. Having said that, that's not what producers want to hear. They want to hear, you know prices going up for them how do we fix that i mean obviously the dollar plays a big role in that too sue well the one the one thing that corn is going to have to fight is the fact that the majority of the corn stocks are still in the farmer's hands and that usually you know is kind of a it's maybe going to weigh on basis maybe more than anything right now basis is still holding pretty good and ethanol demand going forward should be very, very good. So I tend to think that when we look at um, this corn market and, you know, we pushed the highs today. We've made new highs. In fact, corn has an outside update today, sort of like it did last Friday. You know, last Friday it was up 10 cents and everything else was down. Um, but corn was up today and managed to hold together um i think corn can go to the 638 640 level and you have to look at march corn and say to yourself okay now we're higher in corn prices now than we were a year ago at this time but you look at the march contract and it's high for last year uh, the march of 22 it's high for last year was around 641 okay 
Now, you have to say to yourself, okay, is this, we're in 22. Is the March 22 contract going to make higher highs or lower lows for the year? I'm going to put my, high, my, my money on higher highs. I think we'll see the corn market try to push this 640 area. And, of course, above that, there's gaps above that market that are huge. Look over to the livestock side before we wrap up. Obviously, seeing some, some negative numbers on the cattle trade. Cattle fell today was because of concerns going into the cattle on feed report this afternoon. We have to keep in mind there's a lot of cattle coming off of wheat pastures, which is well over a month early, uh, but it tells you just how dry those wheat pastures are, and they won't hold cattle, so they're moving them to the feedlots. But I will say I think the cattle market's fairly close to making a bottom, and I'm very friendly to the cattle market. All right, that's a look at today's Fontenelle now Final Bell. Sue, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And y'all have a great day. And that is today's Fontenelle now Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. You can pick this up as a podcast through RuralRadioNetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. That has been the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.